This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. I need all of those things, and I'm in Alberta. (laughs) Picture this. What a coincidence. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. That's what I want. I want low rates. We're, We're all tight for cash. Yeah, and you're in your first apartment, so seriously, you should be looking at Park Power. (laughs) Don't scold me on the ad. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing that you're helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Tell me your dreams over bacon and eggs. We'll share a laugh and a story and On the breakfast dish. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Breakfast Dish, episode 55, the equal of my age. I am 55. I was 55 for the last 55 days, maybe. Nope. I've been 55 for a short time now, but I've been alive for... 55 years. How long have you been alive, Griffin? Nice. Yeah, this is a good intro. I'm going to say I've been alive for 25 years. If you had to give advice for your 55-year-old self to your 25-year-old self, what would it be? Um, be honest. Be real. Okay, be real. Be real. Take better care of your teeth. Um, <laughs> the, the, the right person's going to come along. Stop panicking just because your other guy just broke up with you and you think you'll never find the right person. Wait, uh, when did you meet dad? I was 26. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thank you so much. I, <laughs> I know I'm single. I understand. My God. No, I'm just saying uh, it's it's funny that you should ask the advice that I would give. And my yeah. advice is get over oh, yourself. Yeah? Well, Somebody's well, coming you're along. You're right fair. now. How about that? How about that for a freaking expose? You're in an Udi. You're in a uh, penguin Udi right I'm now. I'm in a gigantic <laughs> penguin Udi that my husband tells me makes me look like a blue meanie from the Yellow Submarine movies. <laughs> Just because it's blue? Way to go, Kevin Cork, guest of episode 13 of The Breakfast Dish. I don't know if that's right. Karen, what do we do on The Breakfast Dish? Well, Griffin, my son, we are a mother and son duo who have a podcast that is really just talking to people we like that may or may not have something going on in the arts community. But if they don't, they just make us happy and we just feel like we want to talk to them. We we, we have this podcast foisted upon us and, you know, we're making, we're making, we're making do with what we can. Foisted? Who foisted? The Calgary Arts Development and Rosé Foundation, the Calgary Foundation and oh. Verb Theatre's Blue Light Breakfast Series and, and, and. You mean when we applied for a grant and asked no. if we could do it, they foisted There's it on no us? no way. Yeah, they really, they asked us. They had to convince me. <laughs> With my mom in her hoodie? No what, way. What were your hesitations? No way I'm talking to her. Just me and my Gosh. outfits? Gosh. I mean, listen, another white guy with a podcast and is, you know, who's going to add to the sea of... Here's people should listen to what I think. Um, let me see. Uh, Ravenous Wolves, uh, that goes hand in hand with podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Coney, Coney 2012. Remember Coney 2012? <laughs> I don't, I don't right? remember what me he was Me neither. To do. And no, does anyone else? No, that's my number one go to thing when people are like, I read on the internet and I go, Coney 2012. <laughs> he was bad. And I don't remember why. I don't remember why. I don't remember either. 
It just was the beginning was of hiding. clicktivism. And you had to find him. Clicktivism? Clicktivism. I've shared that I think we should find Coney 2012. Ergo, I am active. I am an activist because I pressed share. I'm doing my part to find Coney because in Calgary, Alberta. I see. Clicktivism. And so my 400 friends saw that I'm looking for Coney too. I am. Where is he? I don't know. He could be in my basement when I go down there to the freezer. I'll check. <laughs> that sounds like it's your fault then. You're hiding Coney. We got it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's the police. You're done. All right. We have, we have a very serious <laughs> we have a very serious guest with us. I've never seen somebody laugh less so far in an intro. <laughs> Um, as well, I don't think I've ever sped through an intro so quickly uh, to, to get them on the show. I think our guest assumes that our intro is in some way scripted and that we are in any way more prepared than they are for this interview, which they're not. I have no idea what the two of you are talking about. You could be speaking Martian for all I know. Do you really not remember Coney 2012? I have never heard those words put together in my 80 years. You didn't even hear about Coney 2012? No. I'm old. She doesn't have social media, right? I don't have social yeah, media. But Ella or, or I or you should have told no, her. No, because 2012 was uh, nine years ago, right? Yeah. And so Ella would have been nine and probably not I, had social media. I would have been media. 16. I didn't say anything about Coney. Nope. Mom, don't you follow Ellen DeGeneres. She wanted to find Coney too. Have we said what? that it's mom yet? Have we said, have we announced that this guest is my mother yet? The title usually for our Breakfast Station episodes is the name of the person. Um, but for those of you who don't know that your last name isn't Moser, I guess, sure. Episode 55, Oma. Well, that's fine. And I think most people know that Oma means grandmother. Oma, what do you know, what do you know about podcasts? Absolutely nothing. I've heard yours. Oh, and I've heard some I've heard some true crime podcasts, which I just love. That's my favorite. Oh, I'm sorry, Breakfast Dish is my favorite, of course. But my second favorite is anything involving blood and guts and death. Well done, Sandy. You'll get your $70 check in the mail. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying Breakfast Dish is the favorite. Thank you. Griffin, let's pretend that this is a true crime podcast. Well, Sandy, uh, I understand that every October 31st, something disastrous happens. <laughs> In your driveway. And it's never been solved. I've had the police looking into it for the last 30 years. No one has ever solved it. It's a terrible, terrible mess. Every October, every November 1st, I wake up and my driveway is destroyed. With what? Is it blood? Is it knives? Is it gore? Is it body parts? It's toilet paper. I want to do something. There is toilet paper Boing. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a laser maze. There's no like way to get through it. a spider web of death. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have never found out who the culprits are. It's been a mystery all this time. Mom, yes? it's your neighbors, our old neighbors, Marnie and Jill. That's who it is. Really? <laughs> really? Really? Oh, shoot. Uh, really? Now what do I wonder about for the rest of my life? <laughs> hey, Oma, don't worry. You can swear on this podcast. Swear. Yeah, do me? It. Swear? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my shot here, listeners. Within the next 30 to 40 minutes, she's going to call me a fuckhead. So just, just wait. <laughs> just like at some point. Griffin, my sweetheart, would I ever say such a word to you? Absolutely. Unless you were beating the pants off me in Yahtzee, there's no way I'd ever say that to you, dear. <laughs> 
okay, back up, back up. The reason I mentioned that is because we're just past Halloween. And it's true that for the last, and it's not 30 years, mom, it's since we were in the very first house. So probably 42 years, 43 about four, years. About 45 years, actually. 45 years. When, when I talked to the unknown assailants, which I have talked to them, unknown on the phone. Sorry, you've, you've talked to the unknown assailants? Yes. And one of them is an RCMP officer. And we've okay. determined that this all started in about 19... 19- 75 in where we lived before, but it didn't happen in the many, many years in between until 30 years ago when I'm in the present house. So I have to say 30 years. So for our listeners, uh, I grew up with this lady we're talking to now, Sandy Moser, my mother, in an acreage outside of Sherwood Park. And our neighbors across the keyhole or cul-de-sac were the Bartels. And Marnie and Jill were slightly younger than Kimmy and I and Larry, or somewhere like not quite as old as anyway, they were in the same age group. And every Halloween, we'd go to their place and we'd toilet paper their driveway. And every Halloween, they'd come to our place. And sometimes we'd like pass each other in the keyhole. So okay, see you later when we're done toilet papering each other's driveways. And then and it happened every every year. And then mom moved to BC for a number of years, and it went away. And then she was living in like, you know, a house (laughs) in a town without trees. And then it never happened. But then 30 years ago, she moved to another acreage in Sherwood Park. And thank goodness, the horrific crimes began again. And I'm only bringing it up now because mom was actually really scared that it wouldn't happen this last Halloween because the unknown culprits that she doesn't know except that visit her often and she talks to all the time went on a holiday on that weekend and she was afraid it wouldn't happen. But it did, right, mom? It did. And you know, it was a perfect it was the perfect pandemic destruction of my driveway. <laughs> All of these years, it's been toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper. You had to go and work your way through it. This year, it was about two rolls of toilet paper lightly across the driveway and over 30 rolls of t- toilet paper still in the packages propped <laughs> into the trees. So, you know, most people have to go to Costco to get their toilet paper during a pandemic. I just have to walk out into the driveway and bring it back in. I just chat with my vandals. I just act, I, I just put in the request on the app and the vandals go get some toilet paper yeah, for me. Yeah, One I can name the brand. <laughs> the best best toilet paper was the day the day after my husband died. I and this. it was April, which is not in any way Halloween. And we woke up in the morning. Remember, Karen? Oh, yeah. And Kim said, you better go look outside. And we said, <laughs> and we went to look outside. The entire driveway was done in massive amounts of toilet paper. And it was all Soduco or Sudoku, however you say it, toilet paper. It was, And it was all Marty and Jill going, I don't know how to give you sympathy. Yeah. Other than toilet paper in your driveway. It was absolutely perfect. Abs- and Sig would have loved it because he loved this toilet paper rambunctiousness. I really liked that someone's made a Sudoku toilet paper because that means there's like some nerd somewhere who was really struggling with the puzzle and they're like, you know what, Sudoku? I'm going to wipe my ass. With you. How about that? How about that number puzzle? Yeah. I thought it was he was really struggling to um, excrete and therefore needed something to do while he was on the toilet. Well, the interesting thing is here's another interesting thing about your mother is <laughs> i don't want to okay but oh if we're going to go down this poop road i don't want to hear about it and also when you say your mother are you talking about to me about you or are you talking to griffin about me oh man i'm talking about myself okay so most years the day after halloween i go out with garbage bags and i'm picking up this soggy toilet paper because it's been having oh. dew on it or rain on it or snow on it and i've got to get it off the trees before it freezes totally and last year and this year 
There was no snow. There was no dew. I went outside and I rolled up the toilet paper again and I brought you, it you, in. Did you use it? I did it last year and this year. And I had I had toilet paper for six months of last year just from my trees. <laughs> I know how to save money. So you reused your little tree paper? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, yes, I did, Griffin. There's lessons in this, how to save money and budget for your old age. Roll the toilet paper off your trees. Speaking of old age, how old are you? In six months, I'll be 80. 80. One time when I was 60, my grandson, who was quite small then, looked at me sweetly and said, how old are you? And I said, Griffin, I'm 60. And he said, holy cow, and you're still alive. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still surprised to this day. If Oma, if you had to give advice to your 60-year-old self and your 55-year-old self and your 25-year-old self, what would you say? Three different pieces of advice. Same advice to everybody. If you're not happy, it's your own fault. Get off your butt and find something to be happy about. It might be a spider web that's really pretty, or it might be some (laughs) guy that smiles at you in the drugstore. It might be that the sunset's beautiful, but you can find something happy about every day and don't let the bad shit get you down. Some man made um, interested eyes at Oma the other day in the store. What? Oh, I know. There's a sign. There's a you, sort of a anonymity when one has one's mask on. I, am I allowed to be telling this story, Mum? Yeah, man in, in, in Walmart and we both got our masks on and we're about to pass each other. And for some reason, we looked at each other and we just kept looking. And you could tell we were both grinning because we could only see eyes and they're wrinkled. And we went Was on he handsome? Way. Why were you still looking? How do I know? I couldn't see his face. Well, what made you still look? His eyes were lovely. Don't you know you fall in love with eyes before anything? I do know that. Did you see what I married? This lovely old German bald, big-eared little man. He was just gorgeous. He was one walking wrinkle. He was one walking wrinkle with no hair and big ears. Hey. And he was gorgeous. He was gorgeous. All right. I'm here. I'm here on the Siegfried Moser defense force. You guys better leave him alone. If you had to pick mum, what would you play? Yahtzee or Scrabble? If you were like forced to pick by some terrible thief that's come into your house and, and held a TV gun to your <laughs> they head. Have, they have a full gun and you need to pick which board game you're going to play. I'm sure that's what they'd say the minute they came in. Hands up, Hi. woman. What game? That's a terrible image. Okay, mom. So if you were no, forced no, no. to pick we're, between no, Yahtzee. She's right. Hi there. My name's Je- uh, Jeffer- Jeffrey Robber. I have a real gun here. His name's Michael. Come, Sandy Moser, sit down. You need to choose. Life is all about choices. This is the metaphor. Life is all about choices, Sandy Moser. And it's important now that you... I- I'm kind of turning into a Sherlock Holmes villain. You either choose Yahtzee or Scrabble. <laughs> Which one will you deduce, Detective Moser? I can say with certainty that up until, up until the pandemic, with certainty, my answer is I would choose Scrabble. The pandemic hit, what, 20 months ago? And yep. all of a sudden, it's Yahtzee which I haven't played in years and years. No, that's not true. We play it every Christmas. Everybody, listeners, don't listen to her. She's lying. Yeah, she's lying. Whenever we camp, we play the fuck out of Yahtzee. Yeah. Well, now, uh, because it's pandemic. I just no, want to play Yahtzee. but we did every Christmas before that. Sometimes it was Scrabble. Sometimes it was Yahtzee. But I don't know what will happen when the pandemic is over. Maybe it's going to be chess, which I've never learned to play in my life. Parcheesy. Now, what do we think, speaking of, this is maybe the most um, tangent episode of The Breakfast Dish. I'm very sorry, listeners. We're really jumping all over the place. We don't have an agenda. It's just here. An agenda? (laughs) Damn it. We don't have an agenda. It's we're just here talking to our grandmother. I don't know I don't know how you stumbled in with your headphones, but you're just listening in on a Zoom call. <laughs> what do you guys think is the most enduring piece of advice that Sig Moser ever gave? Because the one that c- comes up for me the most is big shit theory, which is if you don't know what to roll in Yahtzee, 
you just go with the big dice. Like the big counters? Yeah. Like if you if you don't know what you're going to roll, but you see a six, you go, I'm going to roll a six because the dice like being six. So what do you think? What are some what are some long lasting Siegfried Moser advice clips? Goddamn German English. Goddamn English language. You guys just take this Scrabble game and go away because I, you know, I can't win this. And you just making up words that you say are English and they're not even English. Oxer is is a goddamn word. Oxer. You English people don't know that Oxer is a goddamn. My my biggest piece of advice was keep your goddamn hands on the steering wheel because he said that he was teaching me how to drive. And I was like driving along and I took both my hands off my off the wheel to like brush my hair back and do something with it going, oh, I'm really good at this or something. Sig's like, put your hands back on the wheel. Did he ever grab the holy shit handle? Uh, Probably. I don't know. Did actually, he? I don't know did if he, he had holy shit handles. Did he do it as prevalent handles. as you do? Listeners, a holy shit handle is when you're sitting in the driver's passenger seat and just up above the window, there's usually like a handle that you can hang on to. Uh, off the ceiling, and I grabbed onto that all the time when Griffin was learning to drive, and I don't think I had that growing up. I only caught Oma doing it once, and it was kind of it was kind of absentmindedly. You kind of just saw her just like almost almost doing like an arm curl, just kind of like uh, just kind of raising <laughs> it up to the handle. Oh. Oma and Dad were very focused on being cool and calm in the car when I was driving. Oma has a good learning to drive story. Tell us your parallel parking story, Oma. Oh, it's great. I'm going to be 80 in six months. I've never parallel parked in my whole life. But you had to parallel You've... park to... No, I've never, Griffin, never. But I had what? to parallel park to get my driver's license. However, so I practice on the keyhole well, in the country with two garbage cans, and I hit them every time. Hit, hit the back garbage can every time. And then I went to Tofield to get my driver's license because they had one stoplight and everything else was stop signs in Tofield at that time. It was perfect. And I was terrified because I knew I was going to have to parallel park. And we went down this street. Well, there was nobody living in Tofield. There's one car on the side of the road. And the instructor said, just pull up beside that car and pretend there's another one behind you. I nailed it. <laughs> That's crazy. You. I should you. point out, you were quite a bit older, Mom, when you got your driver's license, weren't you? I was over thirty. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. exactly. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever drive a vehicle without having your license? <laughs> this is the police. N- no, I don't think so. I was. I was a goody two shoes. I never did anything out of the law. This is not true. Give me an example. Hi, this is Karen. Also, the police. I would like to draw your attention to a moment in a in a, a documentary where we will soon be discussing called Oma, in which you. <sighs> How did we get dis- back into the True Crime podcast? <laughs> Oma admitted to uh, sneaking out of uh, dormitory windows in residence when she was in nursing school. Oh well, but she did say against the law. It was against the university's law. I take. I, I would like to clarify. I did not go out the window. I helped people go out the window. I was too chicken to go out the window. Oh. Did you ever have a boy in your dorms when you weren't supposed to? I did not. Others did. You're telling I me was you, a didn't break two shoes. I, you didn't break university rule. I think you're lying. You told me you hid a watermelon underneath your apron. You stole it from the cafeteria. Well, that's true. <laughs> it wasn't under my apron. It was under my cape. You can get out with a watermelon under your cape. And that actually is breaking the law. That's st- straight up stealing. Quite possibly right. I That's that true back. crime right there. <laughs> da, got da, da. You can get a watermelon out under your cape. <laughs> you can. There was a contest for years on who could sneak the most food out of the diet kitchen because we were always hungry. We lived in residence across the street. And to my knowledge, to this day, I have won. Not for the most food, but the biggest food because I got the watermelon out. I just wow. looked pregnant. You are so not a goody two-shoes. That is terrible, Mom. Thank I'm ashamed you. of you. Thank you. 
This episode of The Breakfast Dish is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrists first for urgent eye care when they need it. From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications. No referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta Health Coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointment. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrist.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrists.ab.ca. Griffin, you've stolen my heart. That's what you've stolen. Come on, Grandma. Don't kiss up to me on the podcast. <laughs> Why? You can't hit me. I'm far away. <laughs> oh, that's not Wait, a fun cut joke. Cut that part out. Cut that part out. <laughs> My son has never hit my mother. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> when we're playing Yahtzee, we're quite often swatting each other, i got to tell you, Karen. A, a, a Yahtzee swat is different. Oh, oh interesting. Different. Interesting. That's what you called it when I was growing up. Hey, a Yahtzee swat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I want to go to the uh, I want to go to the documentary now that I just hinted at moments ago. Is there not I a can, documentary? I, wait, I have Me to. Me and Omar are going to go smoke weed. <laughs> Bye, Karen. <laughs> I have to leave this part because I'm the only person. Well, I'm the farthest away from being involved in this documentary. But once upon a time, there was a little old lady who uh, used to be a nurse and understood what it meant to wear masks. Like super and old, like crazy. Super old, old like nearly eight. <laughs> And uh, when the pandemic started, or even before the pandemic is announced, like I have email proof of this, of Sandy Moser, who is aforementioned lady, emailing me going, I bet we're going to have to start wearing masks. I'm going to start sewing masks for us because I bet we're going to have to wear masks. And she remembered how to make them based on the pattern of the ones that she used to wear in university when she was a nursing student or when she was a nurse. So she started sewing masks and then she'd send us pictures of them going, this is terrible. I ruined this one. This is a failure. And then she'd send us another one that got better and better and better. And then she made masks for her and her entire family and her offsprings and her grandkids and then some best friends and people like Marnie and Jill. And then she decided she was really good at it. And we all decided she was really good at it. And she is a, a rabid, not rabbit, rabid theater goer. It's all she's been doing for the last <laughs> 10 years since the German goer. stepdad died. And it's the all she does is she goes to theater. <laughs> About 100 plays a year is what Sandy Moser was seeing. About 100 plays a year. And when the pandemic hit, she couldn't go anywhere. And she was wise enough having three children that have gone in the arts, two children and one grandchild that have gone into the arts, to know that all actors everywhere lost all of their work, all of it, right then, especially all of her favorite actors in Edmonton. So then she decided they needed masks. So she made... Should I be letting our guest tell this no, part? No, actually, you know what, Karen, you've talked about the documentary. I really appreciate you bringing it up, and uh, you've covered it all. So, Oma, <laughs> on to that fat joint we're going to smoke. All right. 
No, you finish. I like better you finishing. Oma then went on to make mask after mask after mask and give them, donate them for nothing to all the theater community in Edmonton, Calgary, and then more than just the theater community, and then homeless shelters, and then youth care centers, and then nurses and teachers, and more actors, and then perfect strangers. And as of this taping, Sandy Moser has made slightly over 4,000 masks over the last 20 months. I've just told you a story about Sandy Moser and Griffin Cork filmed a story about Sandy Moser. What is that documentary called, Griffin? Oma. <laughs> what an inspiring name. <laughs> okay. Mom, what was it like to be the center, the focus of a documentary? Be honest. Terrifying. Thank you for asking. I'd, I've never in my life had a camera facing my nose through five That's days. That's not of, true. You were in Rugburn. Yeah, but I didn't have a camera that close to me. And I didn't have any words to say. But no, it was terrifying for me. I, I, I had fun, especially the last day. I had a lot of fun, but I found it really nerve wracking. I'm, I'm used to hiding in the bush, being this little lady that hides in the bush and has no contact with anybody, especially for 20 months. And that threw me. But I very much loved having these guys in my house for those five days. This is my mother talking who goes to see a play and then just stands around and says, no, I, I, just a minute, everybody. Um, Lawrence Olivier, I really like him. I'm just going to go backstage and talk to him. Hi, Lawrence. I'm Sandy. I'm nobody, but I'm just going to talk to you. You don't hide. You don't know me. I'm not important. Yeah, that's yeah. mom's favorite line. Now, why was the last day of filming the fun one? Oh, because... I've always, 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 I've been telling Griffin this for years. I want to be a dead body on a TV show or in a movie. I can't act, but I can sure play a dead body. They have no lines. They don't have to move. They don't have to go to the next chair. They just lay there and be dead. And the very last day they were finished filming and Griffin said, oh, there's somebody at the door. And in came a, a makeup artist that he got from somewhere. And she made me into a dead body. And then I got to go out and lay on the deck in half the snow and play the part of a dead body while Griffin and Mel played the part of the detectives who discovered the dead body. It was my crowning glory. If you ever get a chance to see it, I mean, that you guys can't act your way out of a paper bag. That was acting. Yeah, but you, you killed it. I nailed it. I, I had blood all over my face. I was totally gray and bruised. Obviously, I'd been dead for more than 12 hours. Rigor mortis had probably set in and already left. My coloring was exactly great. I drooled. <laughs> did you really? Did you actually Did you form up yeah, a Yeah, didn't you see that? There was Because I, I was laying with my face on the side and my mouth open and there's some drool dripped out. There was, there was two times during filming... When, uh, when Oma, I, you know, with documentary filmmaking, you can sometimes talk to your subject. Um, there's two times where Oma fully ignored me. Uh, once when she was the dead body, as soon as she lay down to be the dead body, we tried to tell her other instructions and she didn't do anything. She just I was dead. Down. I was dead. What do you want? And then the first day of filming, the first day that we got like some of her stuff, she, uh, she was like, okay, well, when I walk to the mailbox, do I just like pretend you're not there or do you, do you want me to like look at the camera? I was like, for this one, just pretend we're not here. She went, okay. And so we went out in the driveway and she starts walking out and I go, great, Oma, that's awesome. And she doesn't say anything. And I go, Oma, we, we can stop. We can do this in another shot. And she just keeps going. So not only did she, she pretend the camera wasn't there, but then Morgan and I also weren't there. 
Griffin, tell us who Morgan is. If you've been listening to The Breakfast Dish for a while, you know the name Morgan Ermter. I bring it up at the end of every outro. He is the graphic designer for all of The Breakfast Dish graphics. He's a very multi-talented man. I, I'm going to convince him. We just wrapped uh, season two of Abracadavras, and when that's viewable somewhere, I'm going to convince him to come on the show. Anyway, nice. um, he, uh, we run a little film company together here in Calgary called Numera Films with our friend Joseph Wright, who's in Vancouver. And Joseph and Morgan went to SAIT, and they have a lot of technical knowledge about filmmaking and cameras and lighting and editing and i have none of that so i was like morgan you have to come hold the camera and he did and he edited it and he lit it and i so i said no no (laughs) over here (laughs) and he said no not there griffin it looks bad and i went okay (laughs) and who was your producer on that film our producer was melanie banyak who let's just talk for a second about the fact that you got mayor nenshi calgary's (laughs) former mayor to uh, talk about how great Ome is. I think Jody Goddick's going to be pretty cool too, though. Oh, I know it. Oh, we'll miss tell already she is. We'll miss Nancy quite a bit. What, how do people see it? Everybody is asking that. Everybody. It's currently making its festival rounds. Uh, for those of you listening in Canada at the moment, uh, you'll be able to check out uh, a online screening of the Oma documentary December 7th online as part of the monthly screenings of the Third Action Film Festivals, which is an awesome festival here in Calgary that uh, is about people in the third act of their life. Um, and as well, it's a playing at a festival here in Calgary in mid-November uh, called the Motion Pictures International Film Festival. They have roots in both Calgary and Nigeria. And if neither of those two things work, we're doing a kind of private family and friends screening with a whole bunch of the other Tell a Story Hive documentary filmmakers here in Calgary on December 5th, um, which isn't necessarily open to the public, but I would send you a ticket invite. And Oma's going to be answering questions on December 7th after a talk back. And she's she told me she's so excited to answer and talk to people and answer questions. She's uh, as excited as she was the first to time I podcast. asked her to be on The Breakfast Dish. And she said no. And then I, I said, said, please. No fucking way is what I think she said. Yeah, yeah. She said, so I said, how about now? And she went, fine. It's just hard to say no to a grandson when you've only got one. <laughs> What is the best thing about Griffin? Mom, what is the great no, thing is, about Griffin? I don't Griffin? like this. I do. The greatest thing about Griffin? He's 6'3". I'm 5'1". <laughs> Sometimes when we go to a play, I have a date that's really tall and holds me up so I don't fall down. What's the best part about Griffin? He's 6'3". That's the equivalent of someone finishing a play and going, you guys are having fun up there. <laughs> no. You see, there's there's little things that, that you wouldn't think about, like when a strange man drives up in your driveway and he's wearing a mask and he comes to your door and I live alone in the country and I have no idea who this man is and I open the door and I realize I know who exactly who he is, but Griffin is standing right behind me, six foot three of him, just looking at the fellow. And I'm saying, hi, my name is Jeffrey. This is my gun, Michael. Why don't you sit yep. down? Will you play exactly. Yahtzee or Scrabble? Hi, I'm Michael. Good to meet you. Oh, sorry, you're the gun? Yeah. Okay, uh, here I am pressing the trigger. What happens? Boom. Nice. (laughs) All right, Michael, that's enough. I'm an actor. I don't know if you knew that, Griffin. Yeah, you really took on that gun character. We haven't let Oma talk at all. Shutting up. What was the worst part about filming, Oma? Tell me honestly. Tell me right now in front of of God and country and everyone. The camera. (laughs) Uh, You know how when you get old, you have have a a mental image of what it is you look like, which is something like 40. And then you see yourself on camera almost 80. There's this short, wrinkled, fat, gray-haired old thing. And you think, oh my gosh, that's me. It's the camera. If I was doing it just on a mic, I'd be fine like this. 
but I was doing it on a camera. You were filming me doing everything in the world except going to the bathroom. You were filming me scrambling eggs. You were filming me stirring stuff. You were filming me feeding the birds and stumbling. You were filming me limping on the way to the mailbox. I mean, it's not, it's the camera. I don't do well with cameras. Which is funny because the first time I asked you on this podcast, you said no, even though you and I both knew we were doing a shooting and documentary within the next two months. Griffin, I told you I'm a little old lady who lives in the bush and I don't talk to anybody. I'm isolated. I'm a hermit. I sew masks. I know. That's what I do. (laughs) But the fun thing about sewing masks that I don't think you mentioned, now this was fun, is people kept saying, what can I pay you? What can I buy you? What can I do? How much are they? How much can I pay you? And I said, nothing, because why would I? I mean, everybody does something in a pandemic, but also- Because <laughs> I'm rich as hell already. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the day. But everybody, I had so many friends that had contributed the material and supplies, and Karen got me the elastic, and Ella was helping me so well she could. And So I'm not putting out any money. But I said, if you really want to make a donation, you could make a donation to the charity of your choice. Or- If you don't have a charity of your choice, you could donate to a small theater company in Edmonton or Calgary or wherever you live because they're all suffering. And they did. And they did. Some people contributed a lot of money. I just left it open if they wanted to, but it was lovely. It was lovely. I felt like I was doing something. And I'm. you have to do something in a pandemic. You have to do something for somebody. There is strangers who have benefited from your masks. Um, and who have asked where they should make their donation. And then we say, well, a small theater company, and they go, tell me which ones when, which ones there are. So then we have a chance to spread the word about all the different theater companies in Edmonton or Calgary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There, there, there have been a few strangers I've heard who have like really uh, benefited from your masks because they've used them to like rob banks or do crime. So they've yeah. really, uh, and they wouldn't be able to do that without you. Yeah. Right. You're full of shit. <laughs> What's the one thing during documentary filmmaking, all of the worries you had in your brain that you generate at light speed level and in the cauldron that is your mind, uh, at what point did you be like, oh, this is going to happen during filming and it didn't happen? Was there anything? Well, no. uh, Yes, there was. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't want to happen, but I have to credit you and Morgan and Mill for the editing because what came out of that was a really good documentary. And I have to say that, and I hate to say that because it's about me, but what I'm looking at is a really good edited documentary. I was worried that I was going to look like a fool. And sometimes I did, if you recall me yelling 9-11. But anyway, (laughs) you took out the stuff where I was sounding like an absolutely fool and made it sound like I might have something to say. You do have something to say. We wrote the grant. If you didn't have something to say, StoryHive would have been like, no, I don't care about this woman. I'm bored by this 80-year-old lady. Speaking of turning 80, yes. you say you live in the bush yes. and you don't see people and you keep to yourself and blah, blah, blah. But you on your 75th went with your three children to Vegas and oh. laid hands on as many Chippendale dancers as you could ah, and yes. shot the a machine gun. Down under. And thunder yes. down under. That's right. Uh, so you have plans for your 80th or things that you want to do for your 80th. They're not quite as um, inappropriate, but what are they? Well, I've, I've got to go back because you've just talked about the Chippendale dancers. And that was special. <laughs> that whole trip was lovely, but oh, their bodies, my goodness sakes. Okay. But now I'm 80 or I'm a lot older. I plan to go to Chuck E. Cheese and have my birthday party there. Nice. And But I'm also going to buy the Skechers smallest, the biggest size of children's shoes fit me. And I want to get the blinky shoes that blink when you walk and they turn colors. And while I'm wearing the blinky shoes, I want to walk on stilts. 
on drywall stilts or any tall stilts, and I don't know how to walk on stilts, so I need... You need Dean Barham. Did you listen to the Dean Barham episode we, of The we Breakfast We did talk dish? about Dean t- teaching you stilts. Oh, did you? No, I didn't oh, hear that one. Oh, he's all over it. Oh, so am I. Yep. Now, oftentimes, oftentimes these blinky shoes uh, have characters on them, like Elsa or Buzz Lightyear or something. What character will you choose? Oh, Buzz, if they had it, by by far, would be Buzz. Why? What? So immediate. Why Buzz? It's like me. To infinity and beyond! <laughs> it's like me. And also- I am Lightyear. I am Grandma Lightyear. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear is voiced by one of Mum's favorite actors who was in- What was Tim- Oh, Harry Belafonte. No. <laughs> No, that's Tool my time Tim. Singer. Tool time Tim. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Yes. Right. Yeah. Tim Allen voiced Buzz Lightyear, and Mum used to love watching whatever the hell that show was called. Tool time. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah. Often when you're saying to Mum, "Hey, Mum, you know what? You should be on our podcast." She'll go. I don't think so, Tim. Exactly. It's one of those things you get to use in your life. I don't think so, Tim. Let's speak of Harry Belafonte now. Oh, God. Let us, let us speak of Harry Belafonte spirits. <laughs> At one time, I changed my name to Sandy Belafonte because I planned that he would come and marry me someday, and he I guess he forgot. But <laughs> Hey, guys, it's me, Harry Belafonte. Oh, wait a minute. Someone's last name here is already Belafonte? I won't assume we're siblings. I'll assume we should get married. Anyway, gotta, gotta head out. My daughter, Karen, took me to New York, and we went to the building where Harry Belafonte lives and stood on the front steps sidewalk and touched the the plate that said like the address of the yeah we, we figured that sometime his feet would have walked where my feet were he didn't come out i was hoping he would and i could profess my love but he, he didn't if you want i'll send you the picture of harry belafonte with his arm around my waist i haven't washed that side of my side for now 70 years maybe gross <laughs> gross oh my but he held oh my, my the side and he said to me he because i was in klondike clothes and he said he came up and he was talking to each one of us and he said, you look very nice. And I said, <laughs> I was trying to say thank you very much, but I've lost the power of speech. And what came out was. <laughs> when mom says she was in Klondike clothes, it's because back in the day, Edmonton used to have Klondike days, not space days or exposition days or whatever the hell it's called. Now. Days. SpaceX days. I don't know. They had Klondike days and people would get dressed up in their Klondike outfits and stroll and promenade, etc. And like Calgary Stampede has their Stampede Queen and Princesses, Edmonton had their two... Oh, no, they had a Klondike dollar girl and the two Klondike dollar girl assistants or princesses or something. And their job was to walk around handing out these silver dollars and, and celebrating Klondike days. So my mom was a celebrity in this most beautiful gown made of silver tinsel like the stuff that you hang on your tree almost silver tinsel the most beautiful woman in the world and harry belafonte has his arm around her and she said (laughs) i remember when i bought my accordion of which i have two and can't play either of them but you picked it up and played the accordion and you also play the ukulele and you've played the bagpipes so I know that you are a performer of types and you did some sketch comedy or something when you were in university, right? Yes, it was called The Med Show. It was risque, unless you were the nurses. The med students got to put on very risque shows and the nursing students got censored like you wouldn't believe. Our show was called Robin Stood and it was about Robin and his merry men in the forest 
and they had a bidet instead of a toilet or a tree. <laughs> instead of the Sheriff of Nottingham, they had a bidet. Yeah, no, we had him too. We had Friar John. We had them all. Friar John is kind of writes itself there a bit. Yeah. That bidet is the one that washes your bum, right? Yes. <laughs> Mom. And we would sing, Micturation, defecation, how much faster you can do them. That is something no one can deny. Oh, oh. And other things. <laughs> and then birds, oh, that's so birds, Disney. And seven birds <laughs> fell out of the sky. <laughs> and then you also did some sort of sketch comedy when I was young at, with the local ladies at the community hall. That oh, we yeah. weren't oh, allowed to chastity see. Chastity belt. Chastity belt. Yes. Hey, that Nani, remember that Nani. song, Mom? Sing a refrain of that. I I can't remember that, Griffin. Except da, 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 my chastity belt, chastity belt, Nani Nani chastity belt, <laughs> etc. I can't remember that. That was just terrifying. I can't be an actor. I cannot be an actor. I I've, I found out that the, what the Breakfast Dish podcast with Sandy Moser episode is for is to be able to talk about all the things that we couldn't put in the documentary, but I did find <laughs> out about during the process. <laughs> like going out, like the rope ladder out the window of the nurse's residence. Oh, that's in there. Wait, you yes. said you didn't do that. I put she it out. Helped. I helped she people helped. go she out. Helped. I just didn't go out. She's an enabler. You provided the ladder? The ladder was has probably still there. The it was in the there. third floor at the back window of the building. And when anyone, we had to be in at eight o'clock and we had two 10 o'clocks a month that we could stay out. So people perpetually went out the back window to their boyfriend's car. The ladder stayed in that room for I don't know how many years, long after I left. And whoever had that room was in charge of letting down whoever. I didn't have the room, but I would go help let people out of that window. What was the punishment if you got caught going down the ladder? Oh, I think we'd be abolished right then. I mean, it was really, really strict, <laughs> but we never got caught. And then the, the students in the morning, they can't come back in because we had a house mother at the back door who was making sure everybody got in by eight o'clock or 10 o'clock as the case may be. So these girls would come in at seven o'clock in the morning and say they'd just been to morning mass. It worked every time. <laughs> we had our ways. I'm trying to think of what this episode is. This episode is Sandy Moser teaches you inappropriate ways to lie in university. Yeah, this yes. episode. I mean, this episode is an insane jumble of the of the Johnson Cork household stories. Isn't that, I thought you were going to have a topic. There's no topic here. We're no, just jumbling. We, we tried There's, to warn I got you. to the topic. I personally, the topic I wanted to talk about was the documentary because soon we get to see it. Soon the other rest of the world gets to see it, and I've and seen I it. And I'm I didn't want proud to talk it. about it like once. My mother kind of like held my throat. She went, "We have to." And so you know, anyway. So I'm here to tell you that the Breakfast Dish is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The intro music you just heard and the outro music you're about to hear is by Alexander Crowman. Ah. All graphic design for The Breakfast Dish has been done by the very same Morgan Ermter. Karen? Yeah? What's going on this week? Well, you know, I wanted to tell you about this aforementioned third action film festival. If you go to www.thirdactionfilmfest.ca, you can read all about the films that are there, how to volunteer. Their December screening happens to be an online watch party of OMA. Let me give you more details. It is Tuesday. It is December 7th, and it is between 6.30 and 8.30 p.m., followed by a talkback with the star and the director. I don't think we've ever had uh, what's happening this week be so shamelessly self-promotional. But if my mother is on the podcast, what I would like to do is self-promotionalize her. Well, you can also uh, email 
us or message us, but you, I guess you can email thebreakfastdish at gmail.com if you want some masks. Yes, you can, because we have pickup depots in pretty much every major center. No, we have pickup depots. We have a pickup depot in Calgary. It's my house. If you would like some free masks, mom's still not tired of making them. Swear to God, mom, you're still not tired of making them. I'm, it's really saved my life during the pandemic. I can't go to theater. I live by myself. It's given me something to do. And you don't always have to be at your house picking up because I also have the ability to put masks in an envelope and put stamps on it and mail it somewhere. That's so OG. That's the OG way of doing things, right, Griff? I'm not going to confirm or deny what you just said. That's the original gangster way of making things go across I, the country. I don't want to associate myself with you anymore. It's old school. Okay. Oma. How we like to end things on the breakfast dish is Karen, even though the rest of this episode has seemed super structured, will uh, make up a question uh, that we didn't plan ahead, even though, you know, we did a lot of planning this episode. She's a professional improviser. Here we go. Three, two, one. If you were to be cast in a film opposite Harry Belafonte, what's the name of the film? Harry Belafonte discovers a dead body. <laughs> oh, my God. You wouldn't even be alive in the movie? Oh, I'd talk to him before and after, sweetheart. Oh, I see. Wait, before the movie or before your death? All of it. But I, I would see. be the professional dead body that he would come across and be absolutely heartbroken because I was his love interest his whole life and he didn't realize it till then. My God. Harry Belafonte and the dead body. All right, Harry, if you're listening, uh, there's a little film company in Calgary called Numera Films and they can make it happen. Harry Belafonte, if you kill my grandmother, I'll find out. What a way to go, though. What a way to go. I love you, Mom. I love you guys, too. Bye. He's going to hit stop now. Well, that's a bunch of jumping around from place to place. This has been The Breakfast Dish.